0: Objects, said philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre, should not touch because they are not alive. You use them, put them back in place, you live among them, they are useful, nothing more. But they touch me, it's unbearable. I'm afraid of being in contact with them as though they were living beasts. After using my mum's old Tupperware containers as grief therapy after she passed away a few years ago, I became fascinated at how and why such a simple piece of plastic could hold so much emotion for me. How could these objects touch me so deeply? So I became overtaken with wonder at how my use of objects owned, used and cherished by her could be so powerful and therapeutic. Why do we invest so much in things? How could a basic, empty plastic container, a mere tool, make us so happy? And surely, in a world crowded with waste, disposability, materialism and hyper-consumerism, investing meaning in objects, in stuff, is part of the problem. And Tupperware, I mean, it's just an empty plastic container bound for landfill, right? Or is it a container of fascinating intergenerational stories? Well, I'm on the road to discovering the answers to these questions, plus a whole world of stories about us women, men, people, children, community, food, family, friendship, empowerment, and more. So, Sartre, it seems, was onto something. Objects just aren't objects. My name is Megan Spencer, and this is Auspicious Plastic, a podcast.
1: I think I first encountered Tupperware about 1961, 62. My cousin, older cousin, became a demonstrator and gave pieces to my mother. An aqua blue water jug with a lid and pastry sheet. That's what I remember from that. This
0: is one of my mum's contemporaries, my auntie Delma and her daughter, my dear cousin Catherine, the former being a five-decade-long obsessed Tupperware user, collector and party holder, the latter a lifelong Tupper kid, now a demonstrator and freelance employee with the Australian branch of the company.
1: But I purchased my first piece in about 1972. Were you married? I was married a year. You Dad. So i got that yeah. Square Keeper, which they still produced today and Mm. I've still got that piece though I've had to replace the lid. So when you first bought your own piece was there was it special? Well yes in that my older sister was having a party and I didn't know what to buy so she suggested my husband could take his lunch in that which would have been a big lunch. (laughs) (laughs) So that's I remember that and buying pieces subsequently but after my son was born in 75 it could have been a few years later a whole group of my friends were doing our pantries and we bought pieces and we worked out if we went to each other's party we could buy only two pieces and spend less than five dollars and have a small canister and a larger one so we had all of these parties over 12 months or so with us buying all these pieces. So, going back to that first party that
0: Margaret, your sister, had, was it a rite of passage? Did it make you feel like you're grown up? Yes,
1: yeah. it did make me feel I was grown up and posh mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was Tupperware, thinking you're up with the latest um, and sense of snobbery, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, coming from the background I was, was probably lower middle class. We felt we were starting to step up in the world, even in our kitchens, with being able to afford Tupperware. In a way, Tupperware was precious to me. It was a symbol of looking after your family well mm. with good products, which may sound silly, but you were making uh, choices that were, would, in the end, be a good result for your family. Mm. So what do you remember, Catherine? With
0: Tupperware. What are your earliest
2: Tupperware memories? We always got a uh, talking to on how to use the Tupperware appropriately and not to ruin the lids because it costs so much money. Um, but also I, our memory, like we even had toys. So the Shapo, mm-hmm. which is a, a product where you learn as a baby to
1: put shapes in holes. and Still got the original one yeah. I bought for my son who's 41. so
2: we grew up with that and then yeah when guys kids and me and mum used to babysit them um Charlotte who's 10 now we even still used exactly the same shape at home so I think for me the lifetime and mum Mm. would say oh this is um Aunty Margaret's piece of Tupperware or this is Aunty Desma's piece of Tupperware that you (laughs) held
0: on to so we respected it and it sort of represented family it was really Mm. bizarre. So when my mum passed away, when I was cleaning out her cupboards, she had quite a fantastic collection of old stuff, which, like yours, is in immaculate condition, preserved, always used, but really, really, really looked after. And it's interesting hearing you say you've kept both of your sisters who are no longer with us, Margaret and Desma's, why? Why is it such a... How, how can a bit of plastic, like an ice cream yeah. container, how can it hold that much sentimentality or memory? Like, to, what, what, what do you think? Well, I think the difference is, like, sitting
2: where we are now, I'm looking at mum's um, crockery. So she has a dresser full of um, saucers and plates. And they also are passed down from nana and aunties. And they're untouchable. So they're beautiful and you look at them. Oh, yeah, but as a child, like mm. as a, a six-year-old, you wouldn't be playing tea sets with that, whereas Tupperware was something that you touched every mm. day. You got your wheat bix out of every morning. And it actually becomes mm. that, like, tangible thing. And it's like when you remember, when I would remember our kitchen growing up, I remember opening the pantry and what I would see was not food. It actually was Tupperware.
0: So tell me this. When I use my mum's Tupperware stuff, I feel, and I know this sounds bizarre, but I feel a great connection partly Mm. because of what you were saying because I know her hands have been on that. Is that similar for you with
1: Margaret and Desma's stuff at all? It is. Margaret's, I call that square keeper or whatever it is from margaret because i remember the conversation and where i was actually standing mm. in that particular house mm. when i organized to buy it mm. so it it's a link to the past yeah. i suppose mm.
0: and katherine what about you like you i mean you work at tupperware you've just started demonstrating too yep. like you're a consultant but you worked for the company first and you've been to those conferences and it's like mm. it has the Crazy zeal of an Oprah or an Ellen show. Mm -hmm, Women screaming. The cult of Tupperware and men, and men too. Sorry. So, what do you attribute this attraction to? It can't just be the product, can it?
2: No, I think it is quite interesting because naturally, with the product and where it sits in the home and what you touched on before, it's in the kitchen, which is the heart of the home. The journey that I've been on as a consultant in the past few months is that you realise that you're actually teaching people life hacks. Mm. So mum got taught, put your peas in Tupperware at 50. Imagine how much time you could have saved if you got taught that at 30. (laughs) You know, things like that. Mm. And people are actually, it becomes quite an emotional journey because Mm. you're realising it sounds quite bizarre saying this out loud because you're selling a plastic product. But I don't talk about selling the product Mm. at all. I just tell people about it, and with that Mm. comes life hacks and life experiences and how this can help you and your family and things like that. So it actually creates an emotional attachment to it. Um, But the thing that's quite interesting, the psychology behind the party, I find that fascinating because me, I remember – being employed by Tupperware and I had to have my own party so I had to host and I was really like oh that's so nerve-wracking who's gonna come no one will come and we had 15 people come and we sold over two thousand dollars worth of Tupperware the lady sold at mum's house (laughs) yeah but it was really quite I was like oh people are willing to come along with this and you know friends bought It was like, I remember my friend Jess came and her mum and she bought her mum. And then my sister-in-law, she was living in Bangkok, but told her sisters. So her three sisters and her mum came. So actually then you look around the room and it's actually a generational party and get together. Now, I would Mm. never get together in a social situation with those people Mm. usually. Mm. So it is quite interesting because it does have have a social context so usually you have your party it goes for an hour or two and then you all sit around
0: and have have afternoon Mm tea it's really funny because you could take a cynical view of this yeah and just say this is just about capitalism consumerism it's a bit of plastic we're so addicted and attached to all this material stuff in the west but i reckon and I'm not trying to be glib about this, but you could kind of pick up the conversation we're having now and transpose this to maybe something like barley and having women to- sitting around talking about ceramic bowls that maybe they've had passed yeah. down from generation. Yeah. Or is that too altruistic?
2: No, no. I, think, I think that's the same. And I think it's, and it could just be a pure mm. fluke mm. when you hear about how Tupperware first came about that it's surrounded by the heart of the home, the kitchen, and that's where women. Or families congregate and things are taught from generation to generation. And we subconsciously, when those conversations and things like that are happening, that's what we're seeing, Tupperware, because that's what's in the home. Mm. So, yeah, I do believe, yeah, in different countries Mm. it could be something else. And the reason why you don't necessarily want to go to Tupperware parties and buy more is because it really does last a lifetime. And that phrase, a lifetime, is really... The psychology behind that so as a child you're like oh tupperware lasts a lifetime and it becomes a part of your life and it has a mm. lifetime guarantee like how bizarre mm. is that full circle
0: i'm megan spencer and this is auspicious plastic a podcast about objects and the happiness they bring us today's episode we're talking about tupperware with my auntie delma and cousin Catherine. i'm just thinking delma back to 71 mm. how old were you then 21, 21. 22 so 71 this well, is my yeah so this is when australian women were starting to come of age with feminism there was sort of revolutions going on roles were redefined and women did find that you know politically and socially they were able to take on other roles and be accepted for it after a long fight mm. did you find that there was any uh, cynicism back then about something like going along to tupperware parties
1: no i don't mm-hmm. think so really i was probably one of the the norm back in those days Mm. because all I wanted to do was get married Mm. and have babies and make a good house. Mm. But as I grew, once I had my first child, I started to seek out different things Mm. and and things that would give me a bit of confidence or stand my own ground. And going along and socialising like this, and also you see the demonstration, oh, she's out there working. I may not have wanted to, but it gave you instances of a different life. Mm. I think these days it does
2: more than maybe back in the 70s that um, our generation, so 30-year-olds, are like, ooh, Tupperware, how old school, and why would I want a Tupperware party? But the reason why Brownie Wise, who came up with the idea of the Tupperware party, invented it, was because women worked while men were at war, and once they came back from war, they were back as housewives and they weren't Mm. used to that. Mm. So one of the things that she Mm. tapped in as a really smart businesswoman was I can empower these women Mm. to have their own business and earn their own money in the home while the men are working and the kids are at school. Mm. So that's actually the reason why she started the Tupperware Party. So that is Paul listening to Mm. you hear hear you speak. You're saying that was still coming through at that, that era, whereas now where that's swapped we're starting to think it's old-fashioned mm. and it's not empowering women yeah. women anymore
1: but it, i think it is because when you look at the top dealer from your yeah. area yeah. she's got a young baby but she sells mega bucks. that gets her trips overseas mm. so many things when i've seen it and heard from Catherine and seen at the conference mm. how they empower the women they get so much confidence they learn Mm. business they learn they can do almost anything mm. in the world. And to just see stand back and observe that, it's just fascinating. Yeah,
2: that's what I was going to say. I think it actually, it bridges gaps. Yes. So that's it is quite exactly. confronting to open your home to someone who's going to sell something. Essentially, it's a business. They're selling. So it's it can be quite confronting and you, you don't always want that. You're like, I don't want to have my friends over and for you to push products on us. But it is bizarre because we all just love it and we look, we go past that. For some reason, you don't – like you may have that thought for a split second but then you open your home to this stranger to come in and sell things in your home and you sometimes get people you don't know. And like as a demonstrator, I've been in people's homes that I have no idea. Like when I first started, I was like, I could never do that. I could never go into someone's home. It is so incredible. They open your their home to you and they're like, of course, come in. Like, yes, I'll get my friends around. You're like,
0: this is unbelievable,
2: the power of it to bring people together. So do you have
0: a particular, is there a story about a Tupperware product or mm. experience mm. that you have which might be of interest or funny?
2: So... One thing that I find quite funny, mum loved her Tupperware so much and is a regular to op shops. So the um, mm. the little loophole that she found was it does have a lifetime guarantee and this is completely fine and above board that if you find a Tupperware product in <laughs> the op shop, she would then ask a dealer to replace the seal because <laughs> it was
1: broken it and did. then, ta-da, she has a brand new Tupperware mm. product. So oh, or quite... even if you can't. Get it, you can buy the, the seal for
0: it. Yeah. How, how many Tupperware products over your lifetime do you think you've purchased? Like at parties
1: or in op shops or anywhere oh, else? Wow. Hundreds. And I've had garage sales when I've moved to get rid of a lot. I
0: then purchased, <laughs> it and all then purchased more. <laughs> but you this. still have your very first one yes. from 1971. Yes. Do you ever. Do you just use it, or do sometimes you, do you pick it up and, and give it a bit of reverence?
1: Well, no, maybe not so much the reverence. I just use it. But in talking to you made me remember the story of being in my house in East Bentley and ringing my sister and saying, what can I have?" And you? Well, that's a good thing, you know, you can use that for your husband's land. So I, that brings that back, because she's, she died 30-plus years ago. Mm. And yes. I think growing up that was oh. one thing as well, like
2: yeah you're saying you don't necessarily to yourself reflect on it but as a child mum's a big storyteller and you would pick something up and go now i remember and you mm. know there there were those stories behind it so they, they're the container of stories as well ah, as food see, is that that's, right that's what they are yeah. <laughs> so you're a tupperware baby i am and we call that um what do we call that there's tupper, tupper kid. there's yeah Tapaholics and then there's a tupper kid <laughs> you are a pair of Tapaholics. <laughs> yeah and she's a tupper kid yeah like you, you just did it's telling the story of me mum cooking mm. it together and that's a family occasion and a generational thing which is pretty amazing that's pretty okay. crazy
0: That's it for this episode of Auspicious Plastic. Huge thanks to my guests today for their time and willingness to share their ideas and stories about the things that they love. And massive thanks also to gifted music composer and musician Jeremy Collin, a.k.a. Cooper Black, for creating the Auspicious Music theme for this podcast. Find the full complement of his music online at cooperblack.bandcamp.com. And if you'd like to share your own story about an auspicious object or plastic with me, get in touch by emailing me at hello at themeganspencer.com or you can visit my website themeganspencer.com. And thank you to you, auspicious listener. I'm grateful for your time, attention and feedback. My name's Megan Spencer, and you've been listening to Auspicious Plastic, a podcast about objects made with love and dedicated to my mother, Margaret. Till next time.